0: Happy Halloween, and welcome to Indubitably. It's
1: the most wonderful time of the year.
0: True. Halloween is definitely my favorite holiday of the year. And as far as the podcast is concerned, I think it lends itself to some really neat discussions, one of which, hopefully, we'll be having today.
1: And for that discussion, we are joined by a very special guest who is going by Mrs. Cullen for some reason. She's a friend of the show and a fellow Halloween lover. Welcome,
2: Jordan. It's actually Jordan Avalos Rivera Cullen. Thank you, Kelly. (laughs) Uh, Thank you both for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: I hear you are quite the Halloween fan. Do you have any favorite monster, ghoul, or creepy crawly thing?
2: I do. I I do like the horror movies. I like when they get gory. I like decorating probably the most. And I'm a big vampire girl.
0: Well, you say you don't like the horror movies. You're not a big fan of the gore.
1: Oh, no. I really hate more than anything jump scares. And I hate um, situations that go outside of the ability to be controlled. Like I can avoid going into the cabin in the woods. But if something gets into my house, that's a whole other story when it comes to creepiness.
0: Why doesn't anybody ever figure out don't go into the cabin in the woods?
1: But you have to do it on a dare or there might be like a million dollars waiting if you make it through the night. Isn't that so
2: appealing? It is really frustrating when they go toward the noise. They don't prepare themselves with weapons or they don't leave at the first instance of something weird happening. But you wouldn't have a slasher film (laughs) if they did. Exactly. What else would drive the plot forward if not
1: for the stupid decisions of all the characters in those films?
0: But that's what makes it not scary, is it's like, okay, if you just made one simple decision, you wouldn't die. Not really worried about it.
2: Extra, extra, read all about it. Podcast tackles controversies that define your world. Listen to Incubitably Now.
0: So, as I said, Halloween lends itself to some interesting discussions, and we've got what I think is a great one lined up for you today. We will be asking the question of whether or not evil exists.
1: ha <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's your evil laugh, Kelly?
1: No, I can actually do a really good evil laugh, and I actually owe Jordan doing it. Do you want me to do it now?
2: Yeah, you apparently didn't give me your full force one a couple of days ago. so no, care. because
1: we were in public. <laughs>
2: like sucking myself out of it i want to hear this okay
1: all
0: right listeners are gonna have to decide if that was kelly or me adding in (laughs) effects in post it was kelly i'm
1: like beat red now
2: i want that for my ringtone
0: (laughs) for our patreon subscribers we'll be sending you that audio file as a ringtone
1: We don't have a Patreon yet, but look forward to that in two to six years.
0: (laughs) Right. So we'll be starting this debate, a little ironically, in the same manner that we started our episode on whether or not God exists. It's important to know exactly what it is we are referring to when we say, quote unquote, evil. And in our definitions, I think we'll be also laying the foundations for a lot of arguments and theories that we'll be covering throughout the episode.
1: We can start defining evil by looking at the literal definition of the word and seeing if that meets the needs for the discussion we're hoping to have today. First, from dictionary.com, evil is defined as morally wrong or bad. That's dumb. Josh, I think you don't like that one, right? So boring. (laughs) How about the Webster's definition? Morally reprehensible.
0: So also dumb. What does that even mean? It's, It's real bad. That's basically what they're saying.
1: Yeah, I was doing some... So I'm looking into definitions myself and the best I got was so bad that it doesn't have a comparison. It's bad independent of the ability to weigh it against something good. It's just morally wrong. Then you have to define morals, and that's complicated.
0: Yeah, I looked up one by Marcus Singer, who's a bit more interesting than dictionary.com, but I still don't think he quite gets there and he says that evil is the worst possible term of approbrium imaginable. Basically just means it's like the worst accusation you could possibly level against somebody.
1: I thought the worst accusation you can make against somebody was to call them a
0: racist. That's a joke. That's a joke. I thought it was you could call them a, an Edward fan.
2: <laughs> Actually, it's more offensive to be called a Jacob fan. We'll get into it. We'll get into it.
0: <laughs> the question this definition still leaves me is even if it's the worst possible term of opprobrium imaginable, Does the end of that spectrum, worst possible, cross the line necessary to be actually evil? It seems
1: like a very narrow definition regardless. Mm -hmm. To be that far along the spectrum, to be in the most categorically wrong place within it, means that only a select few actions could ever qualify as being evil, which means I'm objectively a good person. Is
0: that the end result of this discussion?
1: Yeah, I think we should all recognize that w- whatever happens today I'm a good person.
0: <laughs> all right, well let's let's try another definition. Emmanuel Kant, he gives us three grades of evil. The first grade is frailty. This is when a person with frail will attempts to perform morally right actions because they are morally right, but is too weak to follow up with their plans. So is that a legitimate type of evil?
1: Well, if a person's incapable of acting upon good intentions, then is that within their control to then resist being evil? It seems like this isn't their fault.
0: So frailty, not evil. How about grade number two, impurity? An impure person, according to Kant, does not attempt to perform morally right actions just because they are morally right, but only if it also serves their self-interest. So you might do something correct, but only if it's good for you.
1: Wouldn't this cast basically anybody religious into the category of evil, since there is a fear of damnation otherwise? We talked about this in our altruism episode. There are very few things that we can attribute to being purely altruistic. There's a lot of things that are good and people choose to be good, but to say that they have absolutely no self-interest in it relegates to only like a few select actions that most people will never actually perform. This means that basically nobody could be anything but evil.
2: Yeah, because you're still performing the morally right, even though it's a self-serving purpose, but it's still the morally right thing to do. So does it make you evil? And we can't possibly
1: know intentions. We would see people performing the morally right thing and never know whether or not they were doing it for a self-serving reason. So we'd have to assume either everybody is evil or no one is evil.
0: All right, so, so far, Kant, two strikes. Let's see if he can get it on attempt number three. His third grade of evil is perversity. This is a person that prioritizes self love over moral law. So they only conform if it's in their self interest. Otherwise, they resort to wickedness. Strike three, or does he have a point here?
2: I think we're starting to touch upon intent, then, which is, I think, very important to consider.
0: Mm -hmm. Their intent is only to prioritize themselves. And if that means be wicked, be wicked.
2: I think he's closer, but it just still, I'm not completely satiated with it.
0: Oh, sati! I like that word. Yeah, to me, it doesn't go far enough. I I don't think that it gauges the degree of self-interest versus the degree of wickedness in the act. So what about like self-preservation? If somebody's attacking you and you shoot the attacker in the leg, you have resorted to wickedness, shooting somebody sucks, and you've done it for self-interest, you're trying to keep yourself alive. So according to him, you're evil.
1: I just don't think that this holds water for any aspect of what we would commonly accept as what evil
0: is. I think what you mentioned earlier, intent is a big thing for me. If I were to put up my definition of evil, since we're not happy with anybody else's, it has to be intentional and to me, there has to be some taking pleasure in the suffering of others. You're basically doing evil for evil's sake.
2: I like that a lot more. And that, yeah, that it's evil when you the intent behind it is you know it's going to cause harm and you like that.
1: I don't think that that has to be the exclusive reason that you're doing something harmful to others. I do think that there is room within the definition of evil to say, This person is doing something extreme and it is hurting other people and can be defined as an evil act, but it may also have like a good reason. And that's why I think revenge can still fit within this definition because there might be a a compelling, motivating reason that they're engaging in this evil act. And then they're also quite enjoying whatever they're doing to other people.
0: This is delightful.
1: I was just getting back at this person for killing my sister but it turns out I really liked snapping their legs.
0: Well, okay, this got dark all of a sudden, Kelly.
1: I'm just saying I don't have a sister. But if I did, anybody comes for
0: I'm going to enjoy snapping your legs.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> How about this? The theory is all well and good. But maybe this would be easier if we had some examples to help contextualize the conversation. And since it is Halloween, why don't we use some Halloween monsters and villains To explore this question further, how does that sound?
1: I like it. It sounds just peachy.
0: (laughs) Let's start with Halloween monsters. Last year's Halloween episode, we started with zombies. And if you haven't gotten enough Halloween controversy at the end of this episode, I'd head back to that one and give it a listen. We asked the question Given the inevitability of the zombie apocalypse, we all know it's coming, would you rather be a human or a zombie? For this discussion, though, we're asking the question, are zombies evil?
2: That's really tough because they are no longer operating at their normal, no capacity. They're kind of just existing and they're down to like the basic needs of I need to eat. They're no longer that human anymore. At least if we go by like the stereotypical ones, usually they don't ask to become that. It just happens to them. And then that's how they're stuck. So does it make them evil if evil if they don't really know better anymore? They're just doing their basic instincts tell them to do.
1: I think a lot of the common lore around zombies paints them the each individual zombie a bit more like a virus trying to replicate itself. So is a virus evil? No, a virus is just it exists to exist and it doesn't know what it's doing. It doesn't have complex thought that allows it to choose to do it. It's doing what biology has deemed it will do. So the intention I think is really out the window when it comes to zombies.
2: I would say it especially because we focus on intent, I I don't think they're evil.
0: I like the example, Kelly, of a, a virus or a bacteria or a pack of wolves. You know, if a pack of wolves has starving and has to eat and it happens to eat a human instead of a deer, does that make a pack of wolves evil?
1: So wouldn't want to meet them alone in the woods, but no, I, I don't think that they would be considered evil for following what nature is dictated they will do.
0: Unfortunate, but not evil. Speaking of wolves, how about we go to another stereotypical Halloween monster that might get us a little bit closer to evil? That would be werewolves. They've got a little bit of control, maybe not in their wolf form.
2: But ahead of time, like they seem to always know, at least after the first time it happens, that it will be coming. So are they taking preparations? not be around people, to lock themselves somewhere they can't get out of because they can't trust themselves when they're in their werewolf form. The intent to distance yourself would be very important if you know you will cause harm.
1: I would say that they are mostly capable of complex thought and mostly able to plan ahead and therefore restrict how much they can hurt others.
0: So the amount of intent or control they have before the transformation Assign some degree of evil to the actions that they take during the transformation, even if they don't have control when the act is committed.
1: When you know what your weaknesses are, you can plan for them and prevent any bad fallout with them.
0: Related to werewolves, maybe, are vampires. Also transformation, also driven by a type of hunger. Also similar to zombies, I suppose. They have the thirst as opposed to the hunger. Is that something... They should be able to control, and if they can't control it and act on it, is that evil or is that just survival?
1: Vampires are immortal, allegedly. So do they actually really have to
0: feed, or are they just driven to feed? Obviously, it depends on which version of them, but just because they're immortal doesn't mean they can't die, right? You could still stab them with a stake, expose them to sunlight, and I think if they don't get the blood that they need, the assumption is that they also die.
2: Yes, and their like supernatural abilities will also be weakened if they're not consuming blood. A good example I think of in regards to pre- um, prepping or doing things differently um to not cause harm to others are the colons and how they chose to be you know vegetarians, so they only feed on animals instead of humans, or even there's other instances of people electing or rather still in Twilight with the Voltori, there are humans that willingly want to be fed on. So there's consent and they don't kill them. They just drain as, and the right amount that they need. So it's an unfortunate situation to be stuck in where you, now this is your existence and this is what you need. So where does the line get drawn with when you're evil?
0: But does that mean, so we've got vampires who could potentially find blood other ways. We've got werewolves who could lock themselves up to avoid harming other people. Does that mean that in order to be, in order to avoid being classified as evil, you need to sacrifice something of yourself? You need to suffer to prevent the suffering of someone else. And if you don't make yourself suffer, then you're evil.
2: So I think your existence alone for a werewolf or a vampire does not mean you're evil. But if the things you need to do cause harm to others, then yes, I, I guess to answer your question, I think there does need to be a little bit of suffering or a workaround um, and trying to do it. Like again, the intent, trying to lock yourself up, trying to, you know, not kill a human for their blood and not actively like seeking that out. Maybe you do need to suffer a little
1: we all suffer a little bit to exist within society. Like we have to like get up and go to work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the the question is to what degree? So we talked about this, Kelly you brought up our effective altruism episode, what degree do you have to go to in terms of sacrifices you make in your own life before you're not unethical or in this case absolute evil? Most of our listeners are probably listening to us right now on a cell phone and our owning of a cell phone propagates mining in methodology that results in the deaths of people so if you have a cell phone you haven't made a sacrifice that would lead towards the saving of lives or the betterment of other people so is everybody with a cell phone evil
2: if you know you can cause harm to others you it's your responsibility to do everything you can still still the self-preservation so still being able to exist but you do need to take those actions
0: Now I'm imagining vampires with cell phones, (laughs) (laughs) and it's bringing up very strong what we do in the shadows vibes. Hmm. If you haven't seen that show, it's amazing. Definitely watch it.
1: One thing that also informs the evil or good distinction in both vampires and werewolves is that for most stories, most mythology, lore, or fiction, or what have you, they did not actively choose to become those things. Typically, they were the victims of some form of an attack. Or in the case of some vampire stories, there was some sort of intervention by a vampire to prevent the death of someone that happens in Anne Rice books, that happens definitely in Twilight. But regardless, the people who become a vampire typically did not choose
0: to become one. In a similar vein. Another very popular Halloween monster that didn't choose to be created, literally created, is Frankenstein's monster. Big, scary, vaguely brain-eating vibe to him. Is he evil? Is he not evil?
1: Um, That raises the question, if something looks evil, is it evil? And our common conception of Frankenstein's monster, or as we'll probably slip up and call him a few times, Frankenstein, Is that he's a patchwork person, and so he just looks like he's cobbled together with spare parts, which he is. And that makes him so scary to people that the reaction to him, therefore, can seem like it is evil, but it's
0: out of fear and self-defense. Sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I feel like I'm cobbled together with spare parts also. That's because you exercise too much. It's killing you. (laughs) I've been lied to.
2: (laughs) I don't think he's evil. Again, it's unfortunate that he doesn't get the help he needs because everyone's always afraid of him. That's their guttural reaction. But I think the people that made him are evil, but I don't think he is.
0: Do you think so, though? So Dr. Frankenstein was trying to create life, which in and of itself is not necessarily an evil act. He He literally created a child that just happens to be eight feet tall and looks frightening but realistically in frankenstein's monster any goodness or evil in him is put there by humanity so may i'm not sure the the if the creation of him is evil if he's evil or if it's people's reactions to him is where the actual evil lies
2: i think it's a little bit of both how people react is evil but i also i really think there was i understand that intent to create life in and of itself is not evil but then it's like, that's your responsibility now, the person you created. And I don't think Dr. Frankenstein did a good enough job with that responsibility.
1: Dr. Frankenstein was a negligent
2: parent. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh. He he left his monster in the car with the windows up.
2: Yeah. No AC. Yeah. No music. <laughs> no wonder
1: he's so afraid of fire. He had a few, too many experiences getting really hot in the car. <laughs>
0: that story, though, does bring up a really common theme of humanity, which is we have a tendency to conflate anything different or unknown with evil.
1: That's absolutely true with how people have historically behaved. The unknown is something to be feared. And anything that is outside the norm for behavior, even if it's people that they knew previously Once there is some sort of altered interaction with them, that becomes also pretty scary. And that becomes evident in some stories that happened in real life, specifically the Salem Witch Trials and the way that burgeoning adolescent teenage girl behavior got really scary and ended up killing a few people.
0: Mm -hmm. There's definitely some, some real life events that seem like they're straight out of a Halloween movie. Or maybe in reverse, that's what makes some of these Halloween movies such classics is because they are so realistic. That's how people would react in a situation like this. We can see ourselves in it, whether we're the monster, quote unquote, and society is reacting to us, or whether we are the masses reacting to something that we're scared of or we don't understand.
1: Now that we've begun discussing the way that people react to the unknown and the human element of fear, it's probably appropriate to start talking about the humans within horror stories that are taking on these horrendous activities.
0: Yeah, monsters, it's a bit hard to accuse them of being evil if they're following their nature, but these Halloween villains may be a little bit more culpable. Some of the most famous could be Jason or Freddy Krueger from Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. And I think both of them are... Victims of previous events coming back to wreak havoc on a world that they deem to have done them wrong. And that gets us into a really interesting discussion on intent and motivation. I know we've touched on intent a couple times already. Not existent in a lot of monsters, which makes it hard to assign any of them the label of evil, but definitely there in some of these more human characters.
1: This is where we have this balance of an action that seems perhaps objectively evil. Some of the things that are undertaken by these characters are truly horrendous and probably even disproportionate, regardless of what they're responding to. But they are responding to something. They didn't just wake up and decide to do evil organically. They had a purpose that drove them to that activity. And that makes it a bit more understandable, at least. It doesn't mean that it's not evil. It just means that it's a complicated evil.
0: Mm. So does intent matter? There's the obvious saying that the road to hell, very Halloween-esque, is paved with good intentions. Do we care what their intent is?
2: Yes. There is levels of severity with evil. And as Kelly mentioned, it is more understandable where you know When you know where someone's coming from, for example, they were wronged some way by the world, but with these characters coming back and murdering and terrorizing and wreaking havoc on people that a lot of the time have no direct relation to the events that happened to them, they are just terrorizing just to purely terrorize because they are still mad about what happened to them. Then I would say that they are evil. So it is understandable why they've got a bone to pick,
0: but it doesn't make it okay. Yeah, we looked up a philosopher, Claudia Card, that would agree with you. And she says that evildoers must foresee the harm they produce. If you're walking around with a machete, cutting people's heads off, I think that qualifies. And lack of moral justification for producing the harm. That half, I think, is a bit more complicated.
1: Well, there's a reasonable, understandable justification if they have previously been harmed. And they decide to harm others that may behave in a similar fashion. But I don't know that that crosses all the way over into being a moral justification. Revenge is irrational and doesn't necessarily have a moral basis, but it's understandable. I guess it's important to understand the intention because then we can also help prevent that sort of thing from happening in the future or perhaps with these specific Halloween humans. Find a way to actually resolve whatever harm or give them the satisfaction of a resolution that would make them stop. Mm. And you can't do that if they have no intention behind their behavior.
0: Mm. Yeah. Other philosophers have suggested that to be an evildoer, you have the desire to cause harm or to do wrong for some more specific reasons, not just the general, I'm angry, but pleasure. Super creepy there. Just the desire to do what is wrong, you just want to watch the world burn, the desire to annihilate all being, or the destruction of others for its own sake. So maybe we can use those ideas to go through our list of Halloween villains and see if they help us prove whether pure evil exists. How about we start with what we mentioned earlier, Jason and Freddy, and their thirst for revenge.
1: Let's start with Jason. Jason was a camper at Camp Crystal Lake, who was bullied and then pushed into the lake and drowned because counselors were having sex.
0: Ugh, wait, So whoa, whoa. This is a PG. Are we R-rated? Yeah, we have an explicit rating. All right, go ahead. Say it.
1: <laughs> okay. So now anyone having sex at Camp Crystal Lake gets killed.
0: This seems kind of messed up. You know, you're a kid, you get bullied, pushed into a lake and drown because the people that were responsible for you weren't watching. I'd be mad.
1: Yeah, but everybody who engages in coitus doesn't necessarily neglect a child in the process.
2: Yeah, I feel like just because something shitty happened to you doesn't give you an excuse to be a shitty person.
0: But the question is not whether or not it's right or wrong, but whether it qualifies as evil. So if we're talking about intent and the intention has to be the desire to cause harm or to do wrong for its own sake, If you have this revenge story, you have a backstory that's kind of legitimate, does that make you bad but not quite evil?
2: No, I think he's evil because he's just killing anyone that's having some sexy time. I would understand a little bit more, and it gets a little more obscure if you were going back and you were specifically going and killing those counselors that neglected you, so you drowned. This is just, okay, now anyone that's doing that, you get murdered. So that's where the intent to just kill anyone having sex is evil. Um, The revenge piece, I could understand a little bit more. And I guess that is what he's doing, but he's not targeting the people directly involved.
1: It would also seem less evil and more like it had a purpose if he was targeting people who were actively neglecting children in the process of, you know, knocking boots. I don't know why I can't say this. I'm sorry, guys.
0: Say it, Kelly. Do it.
1: <laughs> people who are having sex don't necessarily <laughs> neglect children.
0: Oh, Jason's coming for you now. Jason's going to get uh, you.
1: I'm not, I just talked about it. I didn't do anything. So it, it doesn't have a purpose. It's purely attributing behaviors and intentions to other people without knowing the full story or actively preventing the harm of innocent children. And I think that does cross over into being evil.
0: I don't know. I think if Jason was bullied, pushed into a lake, and drowned when he was a child, asking him to make these complicated moral distinctions when he comes back as monster Jason might not be reasonable. Now, Freddy Krueger, on the other hand, I think we have more of a claim to evil here. So, Freddy, if you're not familiar with the backstory, Nightmare on Elm Street, is the spirit of a child killer. So before he turned into Freddy, already a child killer, who is burned to death by his victim's parents after he evades prison. And now, because he's mad he got caught, he murders his victims in their dreams, causing their deaths in the real world as well. As we all know from The Matrix, the body cannot live without the mind. Yeah, that's evil.
2: He's totally evil. He's like a double whammy because he started out evil and then he came back to continue being an asshole. (laughs) So.
0: So so far is is Freddie the closest we're getting to pure evil exists? Yes, I suppose so. Chalk one up for the evil. So we've got Jason and Freddie who are on their revenge trips. We also have another really popular category of Halloween villains, which is the just psychopaths from Norman Bates in the movie Literally Psycho, or Michael Myers in the movie Halloween, I suppose movies, who as a six-year-old He was being babysat by his sister, who was supposed to take him out trick-or-treating. Instead, she stayed in and, here you go, Kelly, trick-or-treated with her boyfriend. (laughs) So after the boyfriend leaves, this six-year-old, Michael Myers, takes a kitchen knife upstairs and murders his 17-year-old sister. After this, he's locked up in a sanitarium for 15 years before breaking out, and the rest is a 13-movie franchise. So with Freddie and Jason, obviously they're not quite all there. They have this rage and this desire for revenge, but I don't think they reach levels of psychotic. People that have a lack of control due to psychological conditions, is it possible for them to exhibit the intent that we seem to be agreeing is necessary to qualify as evil?
1: At the point that they don't have control over what they are doing, that they have something in their mind, making those decisions for them. I don't think we can call that evil. I think that goes back to what we talked about with perhaps zombies, not to equate mental illness with being a zombie, but the the choice is no longer there. There is no choice being made. It's a decision that comes from outside of their own influence.
2: And with these specific examples of Norman Bates and Michael Myers, There, I think you can say that they are evil because with Norman Bates, the intent was to cause harm because he felt wronged or he felt harm. Michael Myers took a knife upstairs. So the intent is to cause harm. Just going back to our definition of that, then I do think that is evil. I think they are still enough in control, um, despite their psychological conditions, to know that they are causing harm.
0: There's another... Harm for evil, too. And I'm not sure this necessarily affects the definition, but functionally, there's a danger to calling something evil, especially when we're talking about psychological conditions that people are dealing with. The term evil is a bit of a dismissive classification. If we use that term for psychopaths, how do we treat the underlying condition? Or how do we understand the condition well enough to either catch them? or prevent them from committing more crimes. We're not trying to get to the bottom of what's actually happening. We're just calling it evil, throwing them in jail, done with it.
1: In human history, understanding that there could be something psychological that required treatment is a really new phase that we're in. Up until pretty recently, if somebody was mentally ill, and even if they didn't pose a danger to other people, but especially if they posed danger to other people, they were locked away. And regardless of what efforts were being made to understand the human mind and perhaps treat people who had psychological experiences like this, ultimately, the only option for so long has been restraint to actually prevent them from doing harm to other people into themselves.
0: Before these efforts were being made, they would lock people up, done with it, and pretty much just leave them to rot. And then wonder why the next person came out that was doing something similar. And I think that there is that danger of just calling it evil and being done with it. We're responsible for being dismissive when we had the capacity to understand something better and prevent it from happening in the future.
1: But perhaps we're using evil less as this dismissive term now. And the focus is now turning to understanding evil. It's not just categorize it as such and lock it away, but call it evil if we do deem that it is evil, but find out what we can do to either resolve it, prevent it, fix it.
0: Mm. One of my favorite Halloween villains, speaking of locking people away, is Hannibal Lecter, who is insanely intelligent, doesn't seem to be psychotic in any way, but he does eat people. So I'm not really sure. (laughs) that's possible without at least a little bit
1: of psychosis. It's a compulsion he doesn't seem to be able to control and he's so charming.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, that guy is so likable. Like literally, I want to be that guy. Minus minus the eating people. Also minus the eating fava beans. Vegetables taste like sad.
2: I feel
1: that he can be easily classified as evil. And perhaps it is not psychopathy, but his actual intelligence that puts him into a different plane where this is what he needs to do to feel satisfied. He obviously can live without eating somebody else. He has other sources of food, but something about his brain works in such a way that he needs to eat Ray Liotta's brain.
0: Definitely the smarter villains are the scariest ones for me. So Hannibal Lecter is a super smart guy with a plan. There's another category that's pretty common, I think, as far as horror tropes go, of the religious killers. I'm thinking of the movie Seven, or potentially not religious, but it certainly principled the Saw movies. Jigsaw, who is acting as judge, jury, and executioner over people who have committed sin. People who we would consider evil that are laying out punishment on people that they consider evil. How do we Weigh that balance out. The plot of seven centers around a person
1: who identified seven victims who had behaviors that corresponded to each of the seven deadly sins and punished them in a way that related to that particular sin, often resulting in death or extreme psychological trauma
2: or both. What's interesting kind of between these two, I have not seen seven, but I've seen almost all of the Saw movies. There are some people that make it out. If you can get out of the trap, you get to leave.
0: And I think that would be the argument of the characters in each of these movies who are perpetrating these crimes. The opportunity to escape that each of their victims had was not living a lifestyle like that in the first place. If they hadn't been slothful, wrathful, gluttonous, etc. Or in the case of Saw, if they hadn't lived in a particular way. They wouldn't have been in the killer's hands in the first place.
2: So then this is a bit cheesy, but you know, the two wrongs don't make a right.
0: <laughs> if we're criticizing people though, and we're saying that they are evil for the actions that they commit, then isn't the logical conclusion of that that they should be punished then? We literally said we should be locking some of these people up that we've discussed so far. So if they should be punished, and in both of these movies, In Seven and in the Saw movies, they haven't been punished. But if we agree that they should be, is it evil then to punish them?
2: I would argue the way they are punished is evil because most of the time it results in they are murdered. Yes, they should be punished. They haven't been caught yet. It's the way they are punished, I would argue, makes it more evil.
0: We've said over and over again, though, that intent is important here. And for both of these examples, their intent is to make the world a better place. They are attempting to set an example for the rest of the world to follow. And in their defense, if the rest of the world were to follow their example and stop committing these sins, the world would be a better place.
1: If this is the only means by which they can actually prevent these bad behaviors from happening, then it would make sense. But you can incapacitate evil people. In less violent ways than these characters chose to,
0: and we do that, and it's not working.
1: But I don't. I'm not just talking about prison necessarily. I'm talking about there's so many different ways that we can help guide moral behavior and rehabilitate people. We don't have to literally force someone to carve a pound of flesh off of their own body, and then suddenly nobody would would be greedy anymore.
0: Why do we want to resort to the Torture of therapy when we could strap somebody into a medieval torture device.
1: If you think therapy is torture, you just haven't found the right therapist yet.
2: I still think it's too far. I can't remember every single backstory. You know, maybe they were embezzling or cheated on their wife. So that goes back to it's not proportionate (laughs) that now they have to like literally saw their arm off. It's not like you're taking a Freddy Krueger and you're putting him in there. That would be pretty satisfying. These are kind of just like, yeah, they did bad things, but it's not satisfying. And I don't think it's proportionate.
0: To me, the question of pure evil, it's important we think about the definition and is what these people are doing wrong or bad? Yes. But if evil is committing these actions for the sake of committing these actions or committing these actions because you take some kind of pleasure in the suffering of others, I don't think this qualifies. I think that they are committing these actions because they feel as though they have to and because their intention to is actually improve things. They see themselves as altruistic. And if somebody wholeheartedly believes that what they're doing is right, can they be evil? They think they are a force for good. They wholeheartedly believe they're a force for good in the world. Can somebody that believes that be evil?
2: Yes. (laughs) I mean, Hitler, (laughs) someone who really thought they were doing the right thing and was so not. Uh, Yeah, I think you can still be evil, even if you think you're doing the right thing and you're making the world a better place.
1: It comes down to how there's no one definition of what the right thing is. There is the popular opinion of what the right thing is. And we generally believe that the behaviors of somebody like Hitler or any other horrible figure in history were categorically wrong, but not everybody believes that. And it ultimately comes down to a difference of opinion. And they believe that they were right. Other people believe that they were right. You can't move them from that principle. Therefore, the actions that they performed not only were right in their own mind, but in some cases had a good degree of popular support from at least a a group of people that served as an echo chamber for some of these horrible figures. But in cases like Hitler, he won popular elections. He had the moral justification of acting out the will of an electorate at the time. And, And why would he believe that he was
0: doing the wrong thing
1: when he had popular support?
0: And Kelly could never run for office ever again, because now I have a clip of her saying, Hitler, not that bad.
1: That's (laughs) not what I said. I said Hitler, in the eyes of some, was not perceived to be bad. Edit it however you want. I know you're going to.
0: (laughs) We've got the seven deadly sins, and religion certainly serves as the justification for the actions that take place. In counter to that, we have the black magic that runs through Halloween. I'm thinking of witches and I've been sort of resistant to the idea of evil thus far in the episode, but Dolores Umbridge, uh, even though she likes cats and it's hard for me to dislike animal people, she comes real close.
1: She's not evil because she's a witch. She just happens to be a witch who is evil.
2: I think that's an important distinction. Your existence doesn't immediately mean that you're evil your actions your intent she's a terrible person but it's not because she's a witch
0: what's interesting about witches though i think they have the capacity to be evil because they don't fall into the category of psychopaths and yet they commit some of the same actions that psychopaths commit
1: what behaviors do you think witches undertake
0: eating children
1: the myth that witches were the eaters of children and babies Came from the fact that a lot of the women who were called witches at this time were healers, specifically the only medical practitioners in their towns, and they would often provide abortion services.
2: That's wild.
0: (laughs) Okay, so some women that are acting as nurses, I'm willing to give them a pass on the evil thing. But some witches out there murdering cats, killing toads to brew their potions, to put spells on people, to wreak havoc on the town that drove them out into the forest. They're doing this with their full mental capacities. Do they not come a bit closer to proving evil exists than some of the other characters we've been talking about?
2: Well, those, cause they have full capacity. They're harming others. Yes, that would be. I just don't think you can categorize all witches as evil, but the ones who do murder animals or put spells on people that cause harm, That that is evil.
0: It certainly seems like witches contain multitudes, and the powers that they have give them the capacity to do potentially more good than the average person or more evil than the average person. So I suppose the question is, when they do choose to do evil, does that bring them greater culpability than some of the other Halloween characters we've been talking about?
1: You said something important about this, though, that witches were driven away by a lot of the people, the towns that forced them into isolation. Then they are trying to somehow get revenge for that. If the witches are evil because they were driven out of society, then it is society that caused it and ultimately is the source of evil, like Frankenstein's monster.
0: That seems interesting to me though, because they seem more capable psychologically than Jason or Freddy do. To me, they would fall more into the culpable camp than vice versa. If we can't agree that witches are evil, can we all at least agree on what I've got down here as the last of the Halloween humans we want to discuss? Can we agree that clowns are evil? Like the only possible rationale behind becoming a clown. Is because you want to terrorize people. That is pretty obviously pure evil to me.
1: When I think of clowns, I don't automatically think scary or creepy. I just think
2: a clown. Not my thing. Okay. I do immediately think scary because I always think of Pennywise first. Mm -hmm. Pennywise is the first and he's so, so scary. The intent with clowns, it always starts out with they're not meant to be scary. You know, but then something atrocious happens to them and it turns them into this monster or whatever. So, um, again, there's that, like, context. Not to say that them murdering people then is justifiable just because they were wronged. But there's there's context. And then I feel like society is also put on this just really creepy connotation.
0: Besides potentially the Joker from Batman, the King of Clowns is definitely Pennywise from It. But for a little bit of backstory there, depending on which movie you watched or if you read the book or not, you'll know that Pennywise is actually not a clown. Instead, it, the titular it, is an ancient shape shifting being that comes from the void that contains the entirety of existence, including our reality. It traveled from its realm called the Deadlights to ours. And this ancient shape shifting being feeds on the fear of people. And in order to gather that fear, it takes on the shape of whatever they are most scared of. So, the fact that it takes on the shape of a clown? Point proven.
2: But they're not meant to be evil. I just, they're meant to be like entertainers and fun. Maybe that's why they're so
1: compelling in fiction, is because the thing that is supposed to be the most innocent expression of humor and joy for children is now perceived as being the most evil thing possible. That's what makes it so scary. I think a lot of horror is built on that. The things that we would expect to be the least harmful to us, betraying us, like Chucky Mm -hmm. (laughs) toys, Mm -hmm. the beat and switch of the imagery and then the behavior is what makes it so much more scary in the telling. But does that mean that we've gotten so far down the road with how clowns are depicted in horror that now... There is no conclusion except that they are evil.
2: I think we've probably gotten there. I think there's been enough of the Pennywises and that one really weird alien one.
0: (laughs) Killer Clowns from Outer Space.
2: Yeah, that one. That one was just upsetting to watch. I didn't like it.
0: The only clown I'll give you guys as not evil is going to have to be Patch Adams.
1: He's not a clown. He's a doctor who dresses as a clown.
0: Anybody that dresses as a clown is a clown.
1: I thought the clown college element of being a clown was a pretty critical qualification.
0: As soon as you put on the nose, you've tapped into the clown.
2: Yeah. Are are we going to get on a high horse and say you have to go to clown college
0: to be a clown? Why are you gatekeeping clowns?
2: Yeah, Kelly. That's a whole other conversation
1: about whether dressing as something makes you the thing.
0: So Pennywise, to, I guess, agree with Kelly's gatekeeping was not a clown, but was taking the form of a clown. Pennywise was actually this ancient being or this, I suppose, demon. And that leads us to the last category of the episode, which is conveniently titled Demons. And I'm kind of torn on this one. Definitely a huge part of Halloween, definitely a huge part of the discussion on evil, but it seems kind of convenient. You want to prove that evil exists, so you make a creature up and literally define it As evil incarnate. Is that kind of cheating?
1: Not necessarily. We have been talking about all of these borderline, could be, maybe is, maybe isn't evil. So why can't we talk about something that might just be categorically evil and be at that end of the spectrum?
2: Yeah, I would think demons are all evil all the time.
0: Maybe the most famous demon, but with one obvious exception, which I suppose we could talk about in a second, is Pazuzu which is the demon that possesses 12-year-old girl Reagan McNeil and gives us one of the best Halloween movies of all time, The Exorcist. Evil?
1: Absolutely. Of all the things that we've been talking about, this is likely the thing that I am the most scared of because they do it to you regardless of the reasons. There's no character judgment that's involved. You can be a completely innocent person just living your life and become possessed or otherwise attacked by a demon. They have no physical form, so there's no way to barricade yourself against them. They lack any of the motivation, and we've been talking so much about the intentions here. They don't have any intention except pure evil, pure torture, regardless of why.
0: In fact, uh, most cases, I think that their target is opposite of everything we've been discussing. They literally look for the most innocent thing possible so that they can corrupt it. It's maliciousness and sin and evil purely for the sake of maliciousness, sin and evil.
1: Okay, then I'm then I'm probably good that I probably won't be corruptible by a demon because (laughs) as we've already established, I have moral um, questions.
0: (laughs) Kelly, no longer scared of demons.
1: Maybe not as much. There are definitely people way better than me. Who I now think should be afraid of demons.
0: Jordan, are you, should you be afraid of demons?
2: Oh, 100%, and I am. I I really think it is the most evil thing that does exist. They purely exist to just wreak havoc. And they are usually selecting people to possess that are, you know, the exact opposite, truly innocent. And that's just really evil.
0: And they're kind of the most creative in the stuff that they do when that girl's head spun around in a circle, yeah, that messed me up. I mentioned the most obvious example, and that would be the devil or Satan himself, which is the embodiment of evil, literally introduced evil into the world. Do you think that's an argument that evil exists or do you think that's sort of self-fulfilling?
1: That depends on your interpretation of the devil, of Satan. The uh, rejection from heaven, formerly an angel, perhaps was wronged by God, is a possible explanation for why the domain of hell is now the devil's. But modern Satanism is actually kind of one of the most benevolent forces in society. They are taking up civil liberties challenges all across the United States and they kind of kick ass. So I'm very down with Satanists.
0: Not gonna get possessed by a demon anymore.
1: Definitely not. If I'm this this tight with Satan, I'm pretty sure demons are like, nah, she's good.
0: <laughs> I do think the creation of demons and Satan is convenient for us trying to prove that evil exists. But the counter argument to that is that people are incapable of inventing anything that doesn't actually already exist in some form. For every new creature or concept, it is the sum of parts that we can observe somewhere in the real world. So as much as I said demons are convenient to proving that there is pure evil, is the fact that we have come up with them and they are such a prominent force in the collective mindset of almost every culture, is that proof that there is pure evil out there and we are observing it and we are bringing it to life in our stories through characters like Pazuzu or Beelzebub?
1: Perhaps, because even if there isn't pure evil at the hands of humans, there is another school of thought regarding evil as it comes to natural evil. The unexplained phenomena of things like typhoons, earthquakes, volcanoes, meteor strikes, what have you. The fact is, We as a society, humans, early civilization, didn't have a lot of explanations for when things like this happened and assumed ultimately that there must be some sort of divine punishment happening. So if there wasn't anything that pertained to real pure evil at the hands of humans, we would have probably invented it anyway.
0: The conclusion of that then is we saw a natural phenomena or just things we couldn't explain that don't really have morality assigned to it we created some sort of morality and then personified that in a character. And then that character bred this concept and slowly the idea of pure evil has grown. Does that disqualify it thinking about its origins like that?
1: What I'm saying is that I do think there is such a thing as pure evil. I think there are people who are just really twisted and love to hurt other people and that, does explain pure evil in and of itself. But even if there wasn't an existence of that, we would, as a society, believe that there was an existence of that because of the other things that we can't explain.
0: To wrap this up, I think I've got a good question for our final thoughts. Who do you think is the most horrifying Halloween character out there? And do they prove that pure evil exists?
2: My immediate thought ready because i'm in my sleep i feel like that's just not fair like he's not playing fair and as we talked about earlier he was already a bad person and then he comes back to just be even more bad person so yeah it's super evil
0: <laughs> if you're going to be evil at least give me a chance to fight back yeah kelly how about you
2: i really don't
1: like being scared and so i really have never found any enjoyment from watching pretty much any horror film even psychological thrillers are a bit much for me but I have perhaps two answers for this one is the most improbable form of evil that I'm genuinely afraid of and I do still think that it is spirits or demons or otherwise something that could possess you even though we've established uh probably unlikely to happen to me but it's still, it's still such a scary thought to have something that you could not guard against, take control of your body and your mind is really, really scary when it comes to what is the more realistic and perhaps in the same regard, you couldn't defend against it because there's no way you could ever really predict it or guard against it in, um, in actuality is just the, the evil within people who choose to commit crime randomly a lot of the people who are going to experience violence at the hands of another person it's going to happen from somebody that they know in their lives but sometimes it is completely random violence and it's just circumstances lined up and put you in the path of somebody who was going to harm somebody and it just happened to be you Josh what about you does nothing scare you
0: can i can i say my cat When I wake up in the morning and she's just staring at me creepily with her eyes in my face. (laughs) Josh's cat hunts him. That's kind of cute. Is it kind of? Kind of cute, kind of (laughs) evil. All right. If I can't use my cat, I'm going to say not a Halloween villain, but should be John Wayne Gacy. He is a psychopath. He is a serial killer. And most importantly, he is a clown. This guy murdered at least 33 young men and boys as he performed for charitable events as Hogo the Clown. Fuck that. After spending 16 years in jail, he was executed after expressing no remorse whatsoever for his crimes and speaking his final words, kiss my ass. This dude was literally a Halloween horror movie brought to life. And in my opinion, the closest we're getting. Appear evil.
2: Okay, now I understand your fervent argument about clowns. Now, I'm pretty sure he kept his mom's head for a while, too. It sounds like ultimately we
1: all do agree that there is such a thing as evil, even if it may manifest in different areas. So, are we on the same page? Can we have that common ground between us?
0: I think I'm ready to accept that evil does exist, not often, but it's out there.
2: I'd say that's fair. I think what's important is the kind of varying degrees, too. You can't really be hard and fast about it. There's definitely gray area. And accepting that it exists and understanding why it exists
1: is imperative if you're ever going to try to root evil out entirely. Just ignoring it, just locking it away is insufficient. We have to actually try to take care of the problem that oftentimes we may have created intentionally or otherwise.
0: Well, we've decided among the three of us what our opinion is on this topic, but oftentimes our listeners disagree. If you want to let us know whether or not you think pure evil exists, which Halloween character you're most scared of, which one you're dressing up for as you go trick-or-treating, or or, quotations, trick-or-treating. Gross. You can let us know at our socials as usual, Facebook and Twitter at IndubitablyPod, or you could email us at indubitablypodcast at gmail.com. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a lot of fun having you on.
2: Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: And Kelly, I'm glad that we have worked through your fear of demons on today's episode.
1: Something like that, sure.
0: I hope everybody has a happy Halloween, and we'll talk to you again next week.
1: Jordan, now that we're done... It's time to talk about what we really came here to discuss, which is Jacob versus Edward.
2: Which is, I'm going to tell you, Edward is a thousand percent better.
0: Oh my God. Edward's like
1: 107 years old and he's going after a high school student.
2: He's respectful and he gets consent. Jacob shoves his tongue down her throat. Doesn't that? Edward
1: gaslights her, leaves for months, and she's clinging to life through a horrific depression. And you know how hard it is for me to defend Bella? I don't like her.
0: Next week on Indubitably, tune in to hear about cultural appropriation.
2: I think Bella sucks, but Edward left with the intention that he was putting her in danger, so he wanted to keep her safe. And Jacob is a whiny little bitch, too. He's so annoying.
1: Who's more whiny than Edward Cullen? He's the most emo character in any book ever. Absolutely insufferable.
2: He's a sexy emo.